Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. latest episode of pick a flick the podcast where you pick a film we watch it simple i'm tony black your host and with me today are two more of my friends so last week i had my my mate lou on and i deviated from the uh from the script as it were but this time and um, we're back on track we've got movies that have been nominated and uh, with me today as i say are two of my my best friends for my sins firstly to my right mr matt laven hello. hello there hello Welcome, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You, of course, are an old, old hand from uh, Black Hole Cinema, my previous podcast. Yes, he hasn't let me escape yet. That's why I'm here. You've been in my house for the last however many months. Yes. And uh, breathing quite heavily to my left is my other friend, <laughs> Mr. Matt Dawson. Hello. Hello. This is technically the first ever podcast you've been on that's actually gone out. Uh, yeah, we did actually record a podcast before that was so bad that even our own friends didn't listen to it. So, that's, uh, so let's hopefully we, this one's cost a little bit. It was so bad I didn't even listen to it. So yeah, this is uh, podcast number one for you. How do you feel being on a podcast that'll actually air? Uh, I feel really good. It's, it's, uh, we started well. Uh, we've had bacon, uh, brie and cranberry sandwiches and uh, we're drinking juice. So it's, uh, it's very sophisticated. Happy day. You sound surprised. Um, well, I've known you for a long time now. This this is uh, this is all new to me. It's exciting. Well, I've known you as for as long as I knew. Uh, I've no, I know. I should say not new. That sounds like she's dead. As long as I know Lou <laughs> from last week. God rest her. We miss God. Him. God rest yes. her soul. Yes. But yeah, we've known each other for over ten years. For, yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing more to add. Yeah. <laughs> there are many stories, but that will keep for a different podcast. Yeah, and different podcast. technically, also ten years. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah, two thousand five. Two thousand five. Wow. Yeah. Well, you, you met in jail. Is that correct? <laughs> but we, we we can't talk about that on this podcast. No, we are wanted in several countries still. So you know, it's uh... so yeah. Today we are going to uh, look at two films that have been nominated, <coughs> and we're going to go through their production history and everything. I have to say, I have to say at the top of this, 
This is unofficially a worst films ever podcast today. It just happens. Well, I say just happens. I'm Her not. original. <laughs> Every podcast about film probably has never done anything to anything do with like this before. Yeah. Well, even we, even we're pillaging from ourselves already because in the first episode we did Superman Four, which is you know to many people one of the worst films ever made. I strongly disagree, but we won't get into that. No, we won't. Or not now. <laughs> so now we've uh, introductions are out the way. It's time to pick a flick. First flick that we're going to pick today is from you, Mr. Latham. Is it? Yeah. Crap. The film we're talking about is both recognised as probably one of the worst and also one of the best films that has ever been made. Stop shaking! Stop shaking your head. Because there's no nothing good. About this film <laughs> that. Right, what's the film? It's a film, little-known film, called The Room. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hey, Johnny, what's up? I have a problem with Lisa. She said that I hit her. <laughs> what? Well, did you? No, it's not true. Don't even ask. What's new with you? Well, I'm just sitting up here thinking, you know? I got a question for you. Yeah. You think girls like to cheat like guys do? What makes you say that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just... I'm just thinking. I don't have to worry about that because Lisa's loyal to me. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. I used to know a girl. She had a dozen guys. One of them found out about it, beat her up so bad she ended up in a hospital on Guerrero Street. <laughs> what a story, Mark. Yeah, you can say that again. The Room, which is a 2003 American romantic drama film written, directed, <laughs> produced... <laughs> romantic by... about this film. <laughs> written, directed, produced by, and starring Tommy Wiseau. The film is primarily centred on the melodramatic love triangle between an amiable banker, Wiseau, his fiancée, Juliet Danielle, and his conflicted best friend, Greg Sestero. Sestosterone! A significant portion of the film is dedicated to a series of unrelated and unresolved subplots involving the friends and family of the main characters. Entertainment Weekly has called The Room the Citizen Kane of bad movies. And a number of notable publications have labelled it as one of the worst films ever made. Now, we're going to go into some of those worst films I've ever made later. But it was originally only shown in a limited number of California theatres. But the film quickly developed a cult following as fans found humour in the film's bizarre storytelling and various technical and narrative flaws. Although Wiseau has retroactively characterised the film as a black comedy, audiences have generally viewed it as a poorly made drama, a viewpoint supported by some of the film's cast. The film has also inspired a video game of the same name and a book entitled The Disaster Artist. Now, you've read that book, haven't you, Matt? I have, yes. Yes, very recently. Yeah. So, is this film the travesty people say it is? The film is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it, it, it is shockingly bad. I mm. mean, it's, it, it's, it's a clusterfuck of narrative in terms of trying to tie anything together resembling a story arc. Characters do actually show up and disappear, there are plot threads that are open and suddenly don't resolve themselves. Mine is a humorous effect, but an uh, unintentional humorous effect, more than anything. And the, the dialogue is... Dyer? <laughs> Dyer's too good a word for it. it the dialogue is... Was it Danny Dyer? <laughs> Danny Dyer! <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> Probably worse. This film would be better if you actually had Danny Dyer in it. Can I throw that out there? I would love to see Daddy Dyer in the room. Maybe we can work on that. If we get a following, can we start a pick and flick uh, 
A campaign. A campaign to get Danny Dyer to remake the Danny movie. Danny Dyer remakes the movie. <laughs> Hi, Johnny. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. <laughs> but yes, um, it is as bad as they say. However, it's very entertainingly bad. In no, it's not. It is. It, there's, there's a lot of unintentional humour derived from just how bad the all sounds. About the acting, the way the scenes are structured. Tommy Wiseau himself is like a caricature. I mean, I think retroactively, they tried to, Tommy Wiseau himself has tried to say, say uh, it's a black comedy, yeah. when well, it clearly isn't. But it's an experience. I, um, Tony and I went to go and watch a screening of it, which we'll, yeah, yeah. which we'll probably divulge into a bit more later on. Yeah. Um, in front of us, there was these group of girls, and <laughs> two. This one girl had dragged two friends there, and pretty much said, and was talking about their experience with it. And the girl says, <laughs> "It's an experience. It's an experience, and that's the only way you can really describe it." She said it with a little bit more emotion than the, than you did. <laughs> Uh, the Room actually originated as a play, would you believe, completed by Wiseau in 2001. He then supposedly adapted the play into a 500-page book, which he was unable to get published. I wonder why. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Frustrated, he decided to adapt the work into a film, which he would then produce himself in order to maintain total control over the project. That shows. <laughs> <laughs> Wiseau has been secretive about exactly how he obtained the funding for the project, though. Uh, but he did tell Entertainment Weekly that he had made some of the money by importing leather jackets from Korea. <laughs> Actually, um, on the drive down here, me and Dawson were talking about this, and Dawson was saying, it's a really cheap film, and I actually told him how much it cost to make, and he goes, really? Did you know how much this film cost to make? How much did it cost to make? Six million. Six million? Yeah. What did that money go on? Is that what I said? I said, it looked like it was filmed on a camera phone. <laughs> They used like two two locations, three locations max during the whole film. It was all film. same. It was all same state. Well, there's a few second unit shots in San Francisco. I mean, yeah, but of a tram going by. Well, what happened? What happened was that um, I think about five hundred thousand dollars went on two HD cameras because what happened is that he filmed each scene. He filmed everything on two different cameras. So right. he, he, it was the the normal film version that we see but he also shot it in hd video right now this is 2003 2003 hd cameras were a lot more expensive back yeah. then i can't remember off the top of my head but i'm sure insurance played a part because i remember greg Cicero talking about it in the disaster artist about a lot a good chunk of the budget went on these cameras and that footage never saw the light of day well apart from some of the special extra bonus features on the dvd Right. Where you see deleted scenes that are from the HD video cut yeah. rather than the video cut. So I, I'm sure this is actually just an excuse. Of like, like there was no HD cameras. It was just him holding a box uh, with like a plastic cup stuck on the front of it. <laughs> and he going, it's a HD camera. It's a HD camera. That's my my impression of Tommy Wiseau. Why does he sound Asian? Because uh, right, you've heard my accent. So I'm not very good at that. <laughs> so I think this was actually just a just a plot just to try and keep some money. I actually said to to lay them. This whole thing to me reminds me of the producers, the film. Mm. If you know the plot of the producers, have you seen the producers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously the the, the the two guys try and make money from making the worst possible musical they can, <laughs> and it just seems very much like. Like I, I think that um, the room was basically just the film version of that. Of how bad can we make something? And he was filling the form of what you need. He says, "Yeah, but we need HD cameras. Half a million, half a million for HD cameras." As he's lying on his bed of cash, like him shaking his head. No, I, 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 I personally think this was a passion project for Tommy Wiseau. I mean, which is quite funny because there's no passion in the whole film. <laughs> Even no. the sex scenes have got no passion. 
one of the big main things in um, the Disaster Artist, um, which is written by the point of, written from the point of view of Greg Sestario. And it covers <laughs> Greg Sestario. <laughs> Greg Sestario. Latham again doesn't get a name right. I mean, this this is every podcast. It would not be a podcast without Latham fucking a name up. See, I thought Latham was just breaking into that Phil Collins song. Sestario. <laughs> Sestero. Can we get can we get this hashtag in that Laden's a secret Genesis fan? I was speaking to Jesus. All my <laughs> all life. All your life. Because Jesus he knows me and he knows I'm right. I you say he knows your wife then, which which should have been the line really. Anyway. The book's written from the point of view of um Greg and Sorry, is that Greg Cesarean section? Yes. <laughs> Greg C section. <laughs> Greg C section, yeah. Yeah. So by Greg C section and what comes through is that Tommy, he's very, he's very much a character in real life, as you expect him to be. And one of the things that drove the room to completion was this is one guy who had a dream to make his own film, and he achieved it. And he's like achieved a life dream in making a film. You need to stop on welling up with the emotion here. Um. Well, apparently, Wiseau um, was already wealthy at the time of production, and he'd amassed a fortune over several years of entrepreneurship and real estate development in and around Los Angeles and San Francisco. I can't imagine him being any kind of entrepreneur can you again, again. he doesn't seem like he's acting he needs to be part of the mob he's, the, the only explanation for this whole thing is this was this whole film was uh, a vehicle to launder money that's the only reason I didn't <laughs> think this film was ever made now again again the book I mean I'm pretty sure one of the buildings there Greg Chachacha slide went to um, <laughs> went to live well, lived in was I think the building was owned by Tommy Wiseau and there were, I think he owned buildings I think he bought the billboard space where famously the the only billboard for the film but how trustworthy is a source? Is Greg Cabris Dairyville? Well, he, he seems to be quite a trustworthy source, given he was involved. He was the line producer, which made me laugh when, when we saw the film. Yeah. Not, not just like the, the second male lead, he's also the line he producer. Was, he wasn't the first person to play Mark. I mean, I think the, the, I think the first day of shooting, they just, Tommy Wiseau just fired the original guy. I think he was called Don. Matt I Damon? Think. I think it was Don or something. Don. So, so, so Seriously, by right. my record. Oh, I think the original actor who's uh, meant to play Mark actually ended up at the bottom of the uh, the ocean somewhere wearing concrete boots. I think that's what really <laughs> happened to him. This whole thing stings to me that he's some kind of mafia plot to try and make some money. Well, he, well, he says, in terms of casting, he says that while casting the film, he selected his group of actors from amongst thousands of headshots, yet nearly the entire cast of the room had never been seen before in a full-length film. For example... Carolyn Minnett, who played the mother of Lisa, who is by far for me the funniest character in it, because you know she just randomly comes on and says, "I have breast cancer," and then she just never mentions it again, even though she's dying. <laughs> She'd never appeared in anything before. And Greg, Sky Electrics, <laughs> Greg Sky Electrics, yeah, yeah, Greg Sky Electrics. Uh, you know, no limited film experience, and he'd only agreed to work with the Wiseau as part of the production crew, which again, being the line producer. So yeah, he was uh, he, he was casting some random people. Apparently, Juliet Danielle, who played Lisa, was just off the bus from Texas. He says so in air quotes. He says in air quotes. No, I think that's uh, true. I, I think that's true. I think she was pretty much straight into Los Angeles. Oh, I can't remember where it was. I can't remember if it was filmed in Los Angeles or. I, I'm not sure. But I can't apparently, remember. on the so first day of shooting, the cast watched in horror as Wiseau jumped on Danielle and immediately began filming their love scene. <laughs> First day of shooting. A, a love scene. Hi, that... hi Juliet. Wow. <laughs> I'm actually warming to the guy. I think I'm not. <laughs> You're learning a few things. <laughs> Apparently, uh, the original actress to play Lisa was closer in age to Wiseau and had an accent that Danielle described as random. 
She was apparently Latina and came from an unidentified South American country, possibly the same one he's laundering the money from. <laughs> allegedly. It all, it all makes it, sense. It all started, allegedly, yes. Thank you. Our lawyers have told us to say. It's all making sense. Apparently, Kyle Vogt, who played Peter, told the production team at the outset of filming that he only had a limited amount of time to dedicate to the project. Not all of his scenes were filmed by the time his schedule ran out, and he left the production despite the fact that Peter was to play a pivotal role in the then unrecorded climax. His, la- his lines in the last half of the film were given to Ellery, whose character is never introduced, explained, or addressed by name. <laughs> that's, that's the point where that random bloke comes in. Everyone, who's he? Yeah. Who's that guy? And this ties into when we went to see The Room. Because yes, yes. Do you want to tell the story of how, how, how it was when we went to, we went to the room in the Electric Theatre in Birmingham and yeah. they had lots of different rules, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. We went on the Sunday because the Saturday had sold out and it was that popular that they put it on for a, a second day. We got there to the Electric Cinema in Birmingham. Lovely little cinema. I've only been there a couple of times. It is a beautiful uh, cinema. Yeah. But what they what they did, they gave you a list of um, rules and they wanted to like encourage audience participation in them. So, because the, the film is quite misogynistic in some respects, there are moments where they encourage you to shout, because you're a woman! And yeah. Things. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, can't think, I can't think of the line of dialogue at the moment, but I do remember shouting out at one point when Greg Sabutio, playing Mark, <laughs> said, um, said something, and I went, because you're a woman! Which got Other things include testosterone, whenever, yeah. whenever Greg, Greg. Greg sees a lift. Came on screen. Everyone has to shout, testosterone. Yeah. And one of the facts that I think Tony completely missed this fact the first time he watched it was um, in the background. Oh, this this is my favourite thing about this. <laughs> in the background, in, um, they they tried to get Wiseau to you know it's, it's a room it's got to be lived in. It's a guy who's living with his future wife because they never because Tommy Wiseau doesn't understand what the word fiance means. So they have to have picture, family pictures in the background. Yeah. So he bought all these picture frames, didn't put any pictures in, he just left the stock photos in. And all these stock <laughs> photos are of spoons. So whenever <laughs> whenever any of these pictures of spoons appear, on the in the background, people shout, spoons, and throw plastic yeah. spoons towards the front of the audience. It was um, it, the amount of spoons that were thrown. It was rem- it was unbelievable. It was every, every, every actual shot, it was spoon! And then it was amazing. I, I think that the room benefits from that kind of cult status. And, and because it's become a cult status, it has become that participation element. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one, of, uh, one of my favourite films, which um, you will hear about more on a later episode, is, is a film called The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, and if, uh, if you've ever seen it live, or if you've ever seen the, the film, it is very much kind of props-based um, uh, audience mm-hmm. participation, uh, and the room seems to kind of adopt that similar style. Yeah, I mean, as, as much as you obviously have a distaste for the film, anyway, that because it's awful. <laughs> the the atmos the atmosphere of the, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. It was only about half full of the cinema. I mean, but the night before it was like a Saturday evening. Yeah, it was the night before that. That was sold out. <laughs> that must have been amazing when it's all full. Because it still sells out screenings, and there are members of the cast that go to these screenings. Oh, Juliet Danielle will actually go to people in the queue, have photo, take photos, yeah. sign stuff, then leave because she doesn't want to go and watch it again. I, I do find it baffling that this film is only this successful because it is so bad. If it was slightly better, it would have been completely forgotten about. But, the, but that's that's one of the reasons I think that it's it's great simply because that I would much rather a film be titanically awful. Most of the time, I will I will say that the one we're going to talk about next, 
I don't agree with in this. But most of the time, I would rather it be titanically awful and be entertaining than be average and rather boring. There are a lot of films out there that are just like your two-star, two-and-a-half-star films that don't really linger in the imagination. And I would much rather have something like The Room that is not knowingly bad, because no one could make a film this bad no, knowingly. It's, 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 it's... Because it's all done with the pretense of, the pretense of um, Tommy Wiseau yeah. wanting to make the, the next great big drama, right. yeah. the most perfect drama that will win Emmy Awards and whatever. You, you, no, I don't, I don't genuinely don't think many comedians, genuinely great comedians, could make something like this because it is so obviously being earnest and attempting to be serious that it is just hilarious. It worries me that this guy has actually become quite successful. He's got a following. Based on this film. And everyone seems to ignore the fact that he was just creepy as fuck. He's the creepiest guy. Well, it's funny, because the, the premise of The Room, it draws on specific incidents from Wiseau's own life. Allegedly. Allegedly, including the details of how Johnny came to San Francisco and met Lisa, and the nature of Johnny and Mark's friendship in the film. According to... Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm sorry. Um, that just reminded me of the scene where he describes how he met Lisa. And he yeah. goes, like, I, I came into... San Francisco and had two hundred dollars going in. I didn't know Arnold Schwarzenegger was in this yeah, film. You've not seen the remake. Yeah. <laughs> You're tearing me I apart, Lisa. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, uh, Lisa. No, I tear apart you. Bang bang. <laughs> Lisa, I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> but according to Greg Straightjacket, the character of Lisa is based on a woman who, whom Wiseau once proposed with a one thousand five hundred pound in uh, one thousand five hundred dollars engagement diamond ring but who betrayed him several times, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> resulting in the breakup of their relationship. Sestero further postulates that Wiseau based Lisa's explicit conniving on the character of Tom Ripley after Wiseau had a profound emotional reaction to the film The Talented Mr. Ripley. I want to know what I... a profound emotional reaction is. No, that, that... Oh, my God! No, because um, that's described... Because he describes going to watch um, The Talented Mr. Ripley with Wiseau in The Disaster Artist. And it's quite... It's quite not, not explicitly detailed, but... It, he does describe him. He sat there where usually Tommy Wiseau is usually just animated yeah. and making comments when he watches the film. But I think Tanty Mr. Ripley, he sat down and watched it and describes how Tommy Wiseau was just transfixed on the transfixed on the screen, tear in his eyes, watching what he probably puts down as like one of the most perfect films ever made. But it's really not though. That's that's, no, that's has anyone <laughs> ever had any effect to that? Film? No, it's just a random normal film. Possibly the be- one of the best facts is that um, Wiseau intended for the film to contain a subplot in which Johnny was revealed to be a vampire due to Wiseau's own fascination with the creatures. Sestero recounts how, at the outset of production, Wiseau tasked members of the crew with figuring out a way to execute a sequence in which Johnny's Mercedes-Benz would lift off from the roof of the townhouse and fly across the San Francisco skyline, revealing Johnny's vampiric nature. <laughs> How would that reveal you're a vampire? Well, you with your car flying. So that's that's amazing. If that's true, one of the big things about the film is how the dialogue is repetitive. It's what? Um, sorry, the dialogue is repetitive. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, <What> sorry. <laughs> the dialogue is repetitive. Oh, also, I think the dialogue's a bit repetitive. So the dialogue's repetitive, especially that of Johnny, whose speech is particularly compi- composed of a series of catchphrases. He begins almost every conversation in the film with the salutation. Hi, Mark. Or oh hi, oh hi, depending on who, and ends most conversations with by saying bye. Or that's the idea. <laughs> Many of the principal characters use the phrase "Don't worry about it" and to dismissively end the conversations. And Lisa often ends discussions about Johnny by saying, "I don't want to talk about it." 
I don't every... love him anymore. I don't yeah. love him anymore. And Almost every me. male character in the film has dialogue discussing Lisa's physical attractiveness, including an unnamed friend of Johnny's whose only line of dialogue in the film is, Lisa looks hard tonight. <laughs> Despite a significant amount of dialogue regarding Johnny and Lisa's forthcoming wedding, no character ever uses the word fiancé or only referring to Johnny as Lisa's future husband or Lisa as Johnny's future wife. My future what wife. Yeah, my future wife. It has all these things. It has terrible dialogue. It has production values that are really shoddy and, and major things like the spoons. Mm-hmm. It has cameras that he didn't know how to use properly that he spent a fortune on. They weren't even real cameras. They weren't even real cameras. The deleted scenes and alternative takes that are on the DVD, they actually... Because I remember when I first watched it, it was quite striking to see the actual digital video because it, it looks more in contrast. It looks slightly more colourful. Yeah. So I don't think it's a box with a cup in front of it. I think he did actually spend majority of the budget but the thing on is, cameras he didn't use. But the thing is, if you have a shit and it's in HD, it's still shit. <laughs> it doesn't matter what... It's still shit. It's still a shit. It's still a shit. Yeah. Well, that, that's the most profound thing you've ever said. Thanks. Ever. Another, another great fact is that um, in promoting the film, Tommy Wiseau promoted almost exclusively through a single billboard in Hollywood, yep. just north of Fountain, featuring an image Wiseau refers to as Evil Man. <laughs> An extreme close-up of his own face with one eye in mid-blink. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which coincidentally becomes the DVD cover. Which I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> or, <laughs> which, I've never been so attracted to you than I have right now. Yeah. Do you want to take? Why don't you take a picture of that and then we can put. I can put that on the on the website of me attempting the Wiseo one eye yes. blink. And it's quite scary because I'm looking at you doing it and I'm thinking fast. I'm thinking fast as I'm looking. At you. <laughs> Uh, if, if, if you are looking at this on the website, um, I, I can only apologise for the disturbing image. That <laughs> if that has not put you off, listen to episode four. Well, yeah. You'll realise why we're not a video podcast. <laughs> Wiseau chose the evil man for what he regarded as its provocative quality. Around the time of the film's release, the image led many passers-by to believe that the room was a horror film. Despite the film's failure to enjoy immediate success, Wiseau paid to keep the billboard up for over five years at the cost of $5,000 a month. <laughs> It's bizarre imagery and longevity led it to becoming a minor tourist attraction. When asked how he managed to afford to keep the billboard up for so long in such a prominent location, Wiseau responded, Well, we like the location and we like the billboard, so we feel that people should see the room. We are selling DVDs, which are selling okay. Bye. It, I've added that last bit. <laughs> Have you? That's the idea. You, uh, you said like Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Hello. <laughs> Hello everybody. <laughs> Hi everybody. Look at my billboard. <laughs> to finish, Latham, why don't you tell us why why you chose the room? I think in any movie fan's life, any movie fan has to experience the room. I genuinely I, I, I genuinely <laughs> think I would genuinely think that this film should actually be studied in script writing class. In, you can take each scene. <laughs> Dawson's response is literally, he's literally got his head in his hands, shaking his head. It should, it should be analysed by film students on how not to write a script. That's it. You, I, I can't you can, argue with that. Really. No, you, no, you could, you could spend, you could spend hours just deconstructing a single scene, just about how bad it is and what you could do to improve it. Which shut up, Dawson. It's an experience that you have to see at least once just to fully appreciate why this is like seen as the worst film ever mm. but enjoyable at the same time I think that's I think that's only fair Dawson have you got any last words about the room just avoid it it's, it's don't waste your time on this <laughs> shit 
Right, we live in a beautiful world. Get out there. Look at trees and stuff. <laughs> don't, don't spend your time watching this film. Don't Annoying. put any more money in the mafia's pockets. Just allegedly. Allegedly. Get out of there. Just stay away from this film. Right, if you see it, leave it. Burn it. Do anything. Just don't watch it. Don't waste your time with this film. Watch Superman 4. It's a much better film. It's not. It is. It's not. It, it's not. It's like the room, but without spoons. I, I'd also, I would recommend that you um, read The Disaster Artist it's by Greg Superman. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's pretty much details, like Greg, well, Greg's po- point of view as a cast member on the room, but, it, but each chapter alternates between that and his history and when he first met Tommy Wiseau and the events that led up to him writing the film itself. And it's going to be adapted into a film by um, yeah, James, James Franco. James Franco, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Which I, I mm. uh, me and Tanya will definitely be yes. <laughs> there on the opening night. Absolutely, yeah. I, yeah. I won't. <laughs> so, The Room, which you can find on DVD and possibly on certain streaming services. So if you are if we have if you are interested enough now, you can find the room on certain of those. So if you do, look it up, enjoy. Next up on uh, Pick a Flick, we're going to take a little break between um, flicks and we're going to talk about something very much related. There's a list on Wikipedia which is related to this, which is the list of the worst films ever made from the 1930s up to the present day. There's quite a lot on here, so I'm not going to go through all of them. But we, one thing we did on the, the Twitter and Facebooks is to basically ask everybody what they thought their worst film was going to be. And we've had quite a lot of feedback on Twitter and Facebook. So thanks, guys, for this. And I'm going to uh, name and shame a few people. <laughs> not shame, actually. They're, um, they're quite right with a lot of it. About what they consider to be their worst films ever made. So... Layden, do you want to give us a few examples of what might be on this list? So I'll skip every, anything in the ni- from before the 1980s. Uh, so we've got Superman for The Quest for Peas. Which we, of course, looked at in episode one. And everyone's uh, wrong. It's, yeah. it's a good film. Mac and Me, which is... Uh, put, there's a famous ongoing gag that Paul Rudd has with... Who is this? Is it Jimmy Kimmel? Not Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Fallon? Jimmy Fallon. It's, it's one of the late... One night. of them. Yeah, it's one of them. Where whenever he tries, whenever Paul Rudd goes to promote a film and he goes to play a clip, it's always the same thing from Mac and Me of the kid in a wheelchair just falling off a waterfall. Well, Mac and Me has been nominated, and we will be getting to Mac and Me probably next year now. Um, I've never actually heard of Mac and Me. Well, I hadn't really before this. Okay. Um, but yeah, we will get to Mac and Me. Who nominated it? Mac and Me has been nominated by Skip to the End podcast. Hello, guys. Um, Troll 2. Yes. Oh my god. That's definitely one of the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Considering we've, we've seen the film, I've watched The Room at least three or four times mm. all the way through, mm. and we couldn't even f- go th- get through all of Troll 2. Yeah. Troll 2 is, is uh, in parts, really, really great at being really bad. In and then. Watchable. Also, though, with that, watch the documentary Best Worst Movie, which is about the making of Troll 2. I've not seen that. That's a lot of fun, yeah. Okay. Um, the, what the, else? The thing with Troll 2 is, is I hate it without ever seeing it just because whenever I go out with you two, you always do a Troll 2 kind of quote. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I hate the room so much, is because my life is now filled with quotes from it. Hi, Matt. Exactly. <laughs> just taking a quick break from the list, just to give you a couple of examples of what people have said. JT Vaughan. Uh, said Alex Cross, which is the film with Tyler Perry as um, James Patterson's detective Alex Cross, which I can confirm is terrible, or a film called Perkins 14, 
Never heard of it. Which uh, I hadn't heard of, but luckily, thankfully, thanks, Vaughan, you supplied an IMDb list. Perkins 14 is uh, a 2009 film which is a horror starring Patrick O'Kane. No, not Patrick O'Kane. Yeah, the Patrick O'Kane. Wow. And, and Richard Brake. Whoa. O'Kane and Brake. Wow. <laughs> the next Lauren Hardy. I prefer Patrick O'Kane's brother, Patrick O'Undertaker. <laughs> One for the rest of the fans joke, out there. there you go. Yeah. All uh, three of you. We have from Jonathan Cardwell. He said date movie, and my God, that's a good shame. Oh, that is shit. Yeah, all, all, the, all the movie films that, no, are I, terrible. No, I, I can I'd say that probably my favourite genre is those kind of spoof films. Date movie is the worst out of them Well, all. actually, I take that back. Sca- the scary movies aren't too bad, some of them, but all the ones by, I think it's J- Jason uh, Friedberg and, uh, Friedberg and Bed- Brad Seltzer, I think they're called, are terrible. So you're talking superhero movie, epic movie, date movie. Yes. They are just drivel. Rich Walker said Norbit, which is the, the one from Eddie Murphy, which also was nominated by somebody else later on. Owen Hughes of Foul Critics. Hello, Owen. Good friend of ours. He said Catwoman, um, the Halle Berry version. Blair Witch 2, which is shite. I've never seen that. Movie 43, which is terrible simply because it has, I think it's Hugh Jackman with testicles under his chin. It, 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 you've, <laughs> I, can't, I can't describe Movie 43. You have to watch it. Right. You like watching you like watching movies with Hugh Jackman having testicles by his chin? Yeah. <laughs> or it did at least. I Frankenstein he also said and also Battle Royale 2 which I didn't even know existed. I knew it existed of just out of principle because the first film was one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. So I am never watching that. Yeah, I love Battle Royale. I don't want to bring myself to it. We got any more later on there? Yes, so where, where where do we get to? We got to the 1990, actually. So we've got Highlander 2 on this list. The Quickening. Oh, Jesus, that's rubbish. To the, I haven't watched the first one. That's where... Well, Highlander's great, but that's the one where it turns out they're all aliens and it's a load of old shite. So we've got... Uh, blah. Uh, oh, the Avengers. The yeah. uh, the Uma Thurman and uh, Ralph um, I'm, I'm so sorry to Chris Wilson if he's listening. Batman and Robin. Yeah, that's been nominated by a few people, I think, Batman and Robin. Was one of them Chris Wilson? Possibly. Yes, he's like one of his favourite films. <laughs> <laughs> but in a list, in a, in a list, top ten list, he'll put Truman Show in nine times and Batman and Robin in. Yeah. It like, no, it was number three. He does love Batman and Robin, it's, it's strange. Yes. Uh, looking down, I recognise Glitter. Yeah. Uh, which has that got Mariah Carey? Mariah Carey's. Freddie uh, Got Fingered. Oh, are you talking about a film? Or yes, that the, yes. That, no, that was during the making of Glitter. Mariah Carey, yes. dirty bitch. Yes. Um, <laughs> Battle, Battlefield Earth. Oh, good luck. John Travolta, John Travolta. The, the Scientology film. Uh, uh, the, oh, a film called The Room. I don't oh, know if you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. Uh, Geely, which is the Ben Affleck. Geely. Geely. Is that G-ly. the one where... Gobble, gobble. Gobble, like Yeah, turf. it's turkey time. Yeah, where turkey she, time. Yeah, where it's Ben Affleck and Jennifer... Uh, what's her face? L- Lopez. Yeah. Uh, uh, Catwoman. Uh, there's um, Sex Lives of the Potato Men, uh, which have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? I've, I know of it. Johnny, 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 Johnny Vegas. Vegas. Mackenzie Crook. Mark Kermode hates it with, yeah. a, with a venomous passion. Disaster Movie. Again, yeah. And <laughs> a, 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 a film that I love the title of, The Hottie and the Naughty. Oh, God, that's oh, Paris, Paris Hilton. Hilton. Oh, Jesus. Yes. That, no. Yeah. Just going back to some of the uh, nominations from people, um, Sam Inglis said, A Certain Sacrifice, which is a late 70s student film starring a pre-fame Madonna, The Longest Hour of My Life, said Sam said. He's obviously been to the pub with you. <laughs> <laughs> Liam at Elmore LTM said, Zazie dans le Metro which is a hateful 60s comedy, and this his description of this is one of my favourite things. Like, Benny Hill directed a crap episode of Rent-A-Ghost. <laughs> that sounds brilliant. <laughs> I'm intrigued now. With a passion. I'm intrigued now. Yeah, I actually want to see that now. 
I'm picking that as my next flick. <laughs> Excuse me if I pronounce this wrong. Bead German said Bolero. I don't know any more about Bolero. Oh, no. um, isn't, isn't that um, uh, Bell Derek? Is Bell Derek? He might be. Um, we can try and find out on the IMDb. And whilst you do that, let's just go through the last bit of this Wikipedia okay. article. The 2010s, which we have The, the Last Airbender oh, by, Lord, L, by, by M. Lloyd Shaman. M. Lloyd Shaman about the last film. Yes. Uh, Jack and Jill. Uh, I was about to say when we're going to get a... Uh, oh, Jack and we, Jill. We, we had to have an Adam Sandler film with us. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jack and Jill, that's my boy, which is in 2012, which I've not... Isn't that... Isn't that Adam Sandler again? I think it might be. It is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Another copy. <laughs> it's right after... One yeah, more to go, he's got the hat trick. Come on, Adam, you can do it, son. The first line is uh, another comedy film starring Adam Sandler. Run for your wife. Oh, God, that's the Danny Doyle one. That, this Danny is the one Doyle. I've been talking about for a while. It's got almost every famous British like character actor in it. Judy Dench is in that, playing playing a, a, a trap. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even joking. Well, it, isn't Run... Run for your wife. I, I believe uh, it was a play. It was a play by. Um, it's quite famous. Ray play. Cooney from, yeah, from yeah. the seventies, and apparently it was good. Yeah, yeah it, it was a really popular film. Allegedly, it's play, sh- it's shite. Movie forty-three. Yeah. Hum There's no need to swear. It's a family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one on the list is. Oh, we, 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 should we should we keep that as a surprise? Yeah, we'll keep uh, we'll keep that because that that will that will feed in yes. nicely to, to the the next one um, we're talking about. Um, going going back to Bolero, yeah, um, that you're right. Bo Derrick, nineteen four American romantic drama film, which was uh, directed by her husband John Derrick. It felt it centered on the protagonist's sexual awakening and her journey around the world to pursue an ideal first lover who will take her virginity. She Sounds great. Well. <laughs> uh, can I can I ask what what's your worst ever film, Nathan? My worst ever film. I, I don't think it's the worst ever film. Well, then you can't say. I it. See, but <laughs> the he's well, obviously not answered the question. Yes, <laughs> but no. What's, what? What I mean by that is the only film that I can remember walking out of, like the cinema, is about a boy. See, I, I don't get this. I don't no, get I, what I, you I, hate I, about. I, I like that film. It's a great film. 
I, to be fair, I can't remember much about it. Film. I can't remember much about it. And I think on a rewatch, I'll probably like it. It's just it's the only film I've ever walked out on. It really worries me that you walked out of that and yet you've watched The Room twice at least. <laughs> Four times. Come on, give me some credit. No, but the only other film that I really disliked, but I managed to sit all the way through in the cinema, just to see how much further it could plumb the depths of, is Robin Hood, the Ridley Scott version. Oh, yeah, that's a crowd. That, no, 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 I'll, 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 I'll save going off a rant because that's bloody awful. Yeah, it is. I agree. A few more from people. There was Diamond and Human said Top Gun, um, which is controversial. but Diamond and Human... Um, James Diamond, yeah, yeah. the founder of, yeah, founder of Power Critics, Power yeah. Critics. Was, yeah. Recently, was recently on a podcast with him, very intelligent guy. Did you know they're doing a, a show at the at the Arena Theatre in Wolverhampton? When? What, um, what? In this month, I think. Yeah, really? Look at their Twitter, yeah. Uh, great guys, funny guys, they're bringing a show to the to one night only. Look it up. Chris Wilson, who we mentioned before, our mate Chris, he said Transformers 2... Um, which is a bloody good shade, to be honest. Uh, and Romance and Cigarettes, which is a film he keeps talking about, which I've never heard of, but he said this before to me about Romance and Cigarettes. Uh, is this this, one, this is, is the guy. This, remember, this is the guy who loves Batman and Robin. I'm I'm, I'm not sure if this is Romance and Cigarettes. Isn't that? Um, oh, it's, it's, you, can, you can see the hamster wheel turning in oh, Dawson's head now. It's two actresses. Well, I've uh, got, I want to say Kate Winslet. Uh, you say it then, because you're right. Kate Winslet. He's actually got a really good cast. It's written and directed by John Turturro, and it's got James Gandolfini, Susan Sarandon, Kate Winslet, Steve Buscemi, Mary Louise Parker, Christopher Walken, Eddie Izzard. It's like, surprisingly, it's, it sounds like one of those... How can anything uh, be bad uh, with Christopher Walken? <laughs> you, it's been better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I've had a lot of squash. But yeah, beyond that, we had some on Facebook as well. We're not done yet. There's quite a few more. We had... Leslie Byron Pitt, who's been a uh, regular uh, contributor to our to our show uh, before in Black Hole Cinema, said The Hottie and the Nutty, which we've already mentioned, American Psycho 2, All American Girl, which I think had Mila Kunis, and William Shatner, randomly. Is, <laughs> randomly. Isn't that Erica Durant from um, playing the Psycho? It could be, I'm not sure. Which is um, Lois Lane for Smallville. It, it could be, I don't know. American Muscle, Awake, but he says, most people think I hate the Omen 666 remake the worst they're partially right the Omen remake is balls to be fair it's not very good we also had Louise MacArthur Clare from last week who was on last week hello Lou said four rooms which is he's watching the room four times I agree (laughs) I totally agree that's uh, that's going to be covered next year four rooms Uh, that's been nominated so we'll be getting into that isn't four rooms a TV show on channel four no there's a show called four rooms it's not that Adam Massingham uh, mate Adam, um, who Dawson and I went to uni with. Good Hi, friend, Adam. Adam. Uh, Hi, Adam. Um, Hi, Adam. Hi, Adam. He said, live feed, a torture porn f- uh, from a few years back, which the name of which just sounds horrible. He also said the, the Wicker Man remake. Which I'd with Nicholas Cage. Right. Nicholas Cage. Not the, the bees! bees! Lee Crimes, who is another good friend of ours, uh, said either Buried with Ryan Reynolds or Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions. Now, I know I know Lee very well, and he's told me about how he hates Buried, mainly because I don't necessarily think Buried's a bad film. It's just that Lee doesn't like films about people lining coffins alive. <laughs> Such a very a specific thing. <laughs> I would say, say if, if he doesn't like that in general, why watch a film about it? I, I, I just have a vision of him back in the day walking around Blockbuster when he gets to the old and says people lining in coffins. He goes, oh no, that, that's not the old for me. <laughs> I'll go on walking. No, 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 I'm not looking, not looking, not, not looking. Oh, no. Tom East said, Last Days on Mars or Battleship. I, 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 he's definitely right about Battleship, which is 
horrendous. Rihanna, is that Rihanna? The film with Rihanna? Yes, yes. yes. And cashing in the check. Uh, Dan Taylor, our co-host, uh, said Killers with Ashton Kutcher and Catherine Heigl. Chris Haig said The Happening, and he's so right about that. The Happening. The wind, the wind. The wind, run away from the wind. Still um, most. Can I, can I give a shout out to a, uh, a podcast, uh, which I've been a big fan of for years, which is called the OSW mm. podcast, uh, which is old school wrestling, but they actually did a, um, a special film review of uh, The Happening, which is one of the funniest things you will hear. Um, yeah. So I recommend, if you get a chance, uh, to watch the OSW review of The Happening. We will do. Thanks. Ta. And finally, uh, Laura Rogers, my friend Laura, said, White Chicks and or Norbit, uh, again, Racist. and Green Lantern, which is the Ryan Reynolds atrocity. That was pretty bad as well. Bad, but not the worst film ever. No, it's not. maybe not, but it's certainly really bad. I think she's right there. Uh, what's, what's your worst film, Tony? My worst film ever? I, oh, God. I might actually throw in Project X. The video uh, game? No. no. <laughs> the film, the, the found footage film about three teenagers having a party. I thought you meant wow. the uh, Matthew Broderick classic about the monkeys flying. <laughs> <laughs> I love that film. Project X is, is no, it's just morally bankrupt, horrendous and shite. So that's possibly my, my worst one. What about I, yours? I would choose, uh, it's between three. One which uh, is actually not awful, but I, I hate it with a passion, uh, and I hate Tony for taking me to see it, uh, which was Gamer. Gamer. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Gamer is just not a good film. <laughs> my, my other two would be, both 90s, um, Johnny Mnemonic, yeah. Keanu Reeves, which yeah. is awful, um, and the uh, the only film I've ever walked out of, uh, which was Loch Ness starring Ted Dance. <laughs> 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 what have you got against not Loch Ness? Nessie. I, I took a girl to go and see it uh, to try and impress her and I actually walked out on the film and walked out on her that's how bad that <laughs> film was if you're listening I do apologise she's probably still there <laughs> yeah. so those are the official worst films ever made there is one more on Latham's list on the Latham list Latham list Latham's list so it's time to pick a flick we are going to pick a film nominated by who sorry this was nominated by uh, Paul Field, a.k.a. Pafster, at Pafster on, uh, on Twitter. Paul is the Daily Mirror's, uh, one of Daily Mirror's um, uh, movie correspondents. I yes. think. He's and also he's a regular contributor to Foul Critic. And um, he's also quoted in this, um, <laughs> in this Wikipedia article about the film that we're about to talk about, which is called United Passions. No, my dear friend, UN resolution changes nothing. We will not go back on our decision. South Africa will not be welcomed back into FIFA until it has settled the issue of apartheid. Exactly. My respects. These people. As if the world were all black and white. About Argentina, sir. The Argentine Mundial will be a great opportunity for all of Latin America. Now, the press on and on about dictatorships and political prisoners and so on. But as soon as the game kicks off, things change. Sponsors are nervous. They'll be fine. There are human rights violations involved. They feel exposed. These events, they take place so far from Europe. Now, the intellectuals can protest as much as they like with their banners and their tracts and speeches, but... Then what? Nothing is forgotten. United Passions is not a Channel 5 softcore pornography film starring Shannon Tweed. Much to my disappointment Much when I started watching it. 
Uh, it is a 2014 English language French drama film about the origins of the world governing body of Association Football, Fédération Internationale de Football Association, aka FIFA. 90% funded by FIFA, it stars Tim Roth, Gérard Depardieu, and Sam Neill, and is directed by Frédéric Aubertin. It premiered at the Cannes Film Festival on 8th of May 2014 and was released in Serbia on 19th of June. Because obviously that's the first place you all you everyone really target, target audience. Target audience. audience. Yeah, of course, of course, yes. The Serbians. The film was released in North America on June fifth of June, twenty fifteen, and grossed nine hundred and eighteen dollars in its opening weekend. <laughs> and it's now been considered to be one of the worst films of all time. Is that grossing nine hundred and eighteen dollars? Was that the legal money they got, or the money that they got in a brown paper envelope? <laughs> well, it, it's, it's actually uh, realistically made uh, thirty-seven billion. <laughs> At the box office, <laughs> but FIFA only said that he, a few hundred, just yes. a few hundred. And, uh, and the majority of it was from Seb Blatter's parents. Yeah. Um, there is actually one thing I found about um, when I was reading about this, was that actually at one theatre in America, the total takings for this film was $9. $9. Which meant that <laughs> one person <laughs> went to see it. That one person could even find someone else to go with them to see it. That's and that, and that was someone who was expecting a Channel 5. Yes. <laughs> like, went, the, went there with a big Mac on, and not like a burger. No. Uh, <laughs> A Big Mac and Big a Big Mac. Mac. And a Big Mac. <laughs> Sponsored by McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it cost, the film cost between 25 and 32 million pounds to make. Depending on who you ask, Asa. Depending on who you ask. <laughs> uh, and it made yeah, 19, 918 in North America and it made $178,639 in other territories. So it's reported to have lost around 26.8 million, which is a titanic loss. The film's United States release coincided with the 2015 FIFA corruption case, in which several current and former members of FIFA's executive committee were arrested for charges of corruption. Now, this is still rolling on, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I, this shocked me, actually. I would have thought something like that would have encouraged people to watch the film. But then, but it's the first time that I've realised that the public en masse have a brain cell. But I, I anything, anything else, anything else, then they'd go and watch the film, but... A FIFA that much derived that no one would actually go and watch. But the problem with that argument, I agree, because I thought that. I thought with the amount of coverage FIFA are getting, and, and you're getting like a live story of Set Blatter, and Set Blatter's all over the news, you think people are going to watch it. But the fact is, the film had such a limited release mm-hmm. that uh, if you look at where it was released, so it's released in North America, who aren't necessarily renowned for being massive no, football. <laughs> association not. football. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's not really kind of... Uh, They're not going to give a shit. Yeah. No, no, no. So all the countries, actually, that it could have uh, been released where it would get an audience... I, I mean, ironically, it was never released in, in Britain, which, watching the film, you can understand why. We'll get to that when we get We'll there. get to that. For hate us and, and vice versa. Yes. Um, FA. So, but if it was released in this country... It, it, uh, it, I think it would have done a lot better in the box office. I think it, w- it would have taken money. Yeah, possibly. But, but I think they realised that it was going to be such a mess that they kind of did this really short, limited release and it, 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 it didn't actually make any money. Mm. The corruption investigation led to the resignation of FIFA's president, Seth Blatter, played by Tim Roth in the film, uh, following decades of speculation and accusations of corruption at FIFA under his leadership. Now, he's recently, as in the last few days of recording, been suspended for 90 days, I think. Because there was this whole thing, after the film was released, there was this whole thing, wasn't there, about how Blatter had resigned and then he kind of backtracked and that he was that they were going to have a presidential race but then he wasn't resigning and he was possibly going to be involved. In other words, it sounded like a big whitewash, really. Yeah. 
but now it looks like his hand is being forced by the authorities. And it's I know him and Michelle Platini and a few others have been suspended. Obviously. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. There is no proof, complete proof yet, that these people are criminals. But, but they are funding the room too as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a lot of, you know, speculation. The film was accused of ignoring these long-running claims. Roth has said that he asked the filmmakers, where's all the corruption in the script? Where's all the backstabbing, the deals? He said he attempted to convey these elements through his performance, saying it was a tough one. I tried to slide in a sense of it as much as I could get in. The film's director, Frederick Oberton, claimed he inserted ironic parts into the film. Yeah, they're referred to as scenes. <laughs> well, this is the thing with this. I mean, obviously, the United Passions is about the, the FIFA's rise from like the 1900s up until the present day. But it is... The story of it, there is no story, is there? It is just a series of scenes with executives in boardrooms. What to me, it's if, if it's it's as if you've got a dramatic sketch series. That's what it is. It's like dramatic sketches played out in chronological order in terms of important part important parts of Fever's history. Mm. The only thing less funny was Little Britain, USA. <laughs> that, yeah. that, there's no, there's nothing that collects apart from the history. There's no, there's nothing that collects. All these scenes and set well set piece, set of pieces mm. together in some kind of united theme or real narrative. Yeah. Well, see, I, I'm kind of mixed on this film, and this is going to be quite controversial. But I don't think this film was. A lot of people think it's the worst film I've made. I don't think it's the worst film that's ever made, uh, and I'll explain why later on. But I am going to talk about a few things which I, I, I genuinely think there's massive issues with. One thing that I was actually really surprised when I started watching it is that actually the running time for this is only, I think, about an hour 40, an hour 45. Roughly. It's it's not a long film. It's about five hours. But considering they're trying to do 100 years of history Mm. in an hour and three quarters, in some ways it didn't feel like there was enough time. So it felt like there was lots of part of the films that were very rushed. The scenes were very short, uh, especially at the beginning. Um, So the first sort of 50, 60 years of, of FIFA... It, it kind of it speeds through at super super pace, almost like because the, it it felt felt to me as if it was like well this this part doesn't really matter. What you really want to know is how Seth Blatter got there. That's the part that we we really want to talk yeah. about. So it, it felt to me that the first parts were very rushed, which actually for me that was the most interesting part. As a viewer, I wanted to see you know I you know because I think there's genuinely uh, space in this film for a real proper film to be made. It's an interesting story that I think needs to be told, and I think it will probably one day be told by a, a better agreed, agreed, director. Yeah, agreed. me too. Yeah, um, yeah. And, but but I I think that they 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 didn't do it well. I'll get to the good bits later on. But I I think yeah, I think Where a lot are of they? It was, there are no good. Bits. Oh, there's so many good bits. There's in not it. any good bits right. in it. You cannot tell me that the the um, the production values are bad. There's the production, the only part of production which is really bad in this film is their use of uh, green screen. The green <laughs> screen in this film is so bad. Yeah. Uh, this, it, it's uh, quite obvious. It's, it's the bit near, there's a bit near the end where pretty much Seth Blatter announces South Africa have got... <gasps> d- 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 Don't yeah. tell us that, now we know. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, yeah, but then there is that like, green screen where you've got like Tim Roth doing thumbs up in front of Nelson Mandela yeah. holding up the World Cup. Yeah. And oh, it, 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 it's yeah. really bad. And there's a few of those. There's a bit like, there's a bit early on in the film where Gerard Depp... Uh, Gerard Depp... Gerard Depp <laughs> Oh, we're not going to get into another drinks. Uh, Gerard Depardieu uh, is, uh, is is on the boat, and it's, it's quite obviously just like the, the most fake boat you've ever seen in your life. Which uh, is quite strange, considering there is one shot which seems to be an aerial pan into a recreation of a Uruguayan football ground 
I think and I think that was around 1930 before the World Cup started. I'm sure there's a shot where you can actually see the world. There's like I might be confused here. It, it all bleeds together where you, you kind of see Depardieu like on the pitch, and there's like it's like a zooming shot, which actually looks quite impressive. You see, so th- that's why I'm saying it's not the worst one I've made because production-wise, actually, it's a good film. Um, if you look at it, if you take away the script, there's a lot of good about this film. Um, I don't. If you take, <laughs> if you ta- if you take <laughs> away the story, if you take away the story and the and the words, <laughs> and, you <laughs> and you just put people in costumes and have them stand there. It's okay, right, okay. So um, I uh, it, I thought the soundtrack was excellent. I think it's actually got a really good soundtrack. Um, I think they overplayed it in parts. The the, the big rousing music every time, like. Uh, Literally, especially at the beginning, where it was every two minutes someone would say something that the big rousing music because it was inspirational. I'll tell you my favourite part with the music. At the, towards the very end, there's a scene where Blatter is celebrating New Year's Eve, and in in the cabin where he is, all his family are dancing really yeah. out, outwardly to like what's clearly like Christmas pop music, and all you hear is the orchestral score going as he pans past. It is the weirdest choice. Yes, I'm crying, crying with laughter. Um, but I, I actually, I genuinely thought, um, especially Tim Roth. I think Tim Roth actually gave a really good performance. You see, I, I think he looked, he looked like he knew, fucking hell, what am I doing? And uh, no, he, he said, I agree, I he agree. Said that he was, he was doing it. Yeah, he did, money. he did. But I mean, even Tim Roth on a bad day is still Tim Roth, and Tim Roth's a great actor. Um, and I think the cast in this were actually, they had a, a pretty damn good cast. If you look at the people who were in it, you know, and and were their performances, were, were their performances brilliant? No, but they're doing the best they could with what they've got. Which was nothing. Which is nothing. But I, I, I genuinely think that for all its bad points, there was actually some redeeming points which make it not the worst film ever made. I, th- I think that it did look good. I mean, I, I do agree with that. They, the production value was there. You know, they, made, they, they recreated certain things well. The problem with it all, though, was that it was just without any kind of interesting dialogue or story or the right kind of casting. I mean, Sam Neill as as a Brazilian FIFA president. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, like, he he starts talking, and he he clearly speaking with an American accent. Yeah, or or Australian, that kind of quasi-Australian-American that Sam Neill does. That that said, though, um, Tim Roth seems to go through pretty much every single European accent. he does. So, at one point, point he turns to a cockney gangster at one point, where he's in a car, and goes, What do you want? Yeah, it's, get in the car. Yeah, it's just so inconsistent. It's like the film Italian. It's so, but it looked it looked good. Don't expect, certainly the, the first half, which I agree is probably the better half of the of the of the film with Jules Rimet and all and all the kind of historical sort of stuff. But it just it was just so stiff. And the, you know the, the whole thing with it was that there is a story, but you can't tell that kind of story in in, in one hour forty five minutes where it spans a hundred years because you was you would skip from. Like 1968 to 1971 in one scene, how can you possibly establish any dramatic tension or character points with, with when you skip in literally five years between scenes? Well, it's, I, it's, it's shocking. It's well, so I, terrible. Well, I think at one point they actually skipped from like the late 1940s up to the middle of the 1960s. They, yeah, they've got to jump 20 gap. years. Yeah. I didn't realise there was a massive 30 year time jump going from the formation of FIFA in like 1904. Then there's like about 1928 when like yeah, George and May, like George and May just comes in and calls a u- bunch of Uruguayans and loads. Yeah, where's he even yeah. from? He's not even in the first no, bit, and then no. suddenly he's just oh, I'm here now and, and I'm alive. president. Because he was born in like 1870 something. Yeah. So in the early 1900s, he was alive and he was around, but they presumably just didn't want to cast a young Jules remake. You know, yeah, they wanted him to be middle aged. I mean, I mean, the, 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 the arguably there's three main characters, which is um, Remy, 
Havalange. Havalange. Who's still alive? He's 99. Havalange and Seth. I'm going to call him Seth. Seth. Yeah, I'm going to call him Seth. Seth Blotter. The only one that gets an actual introduction is Havalange. Yeah, but there's still no kind of introduction of where he's from. He no, just, it's, suddenly it's, you get in the plane, someone goes, kind of plane. "Oh, I hear you're thinking of joining FIFA." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, as if he's just some random. Uh, yeah, am I yeah. okay? Well, oh, yeah. I wasn't. But and okay. the, same, the, same, the same goes with Tim Roth and Blassie. He just turns this like yeah. random like. This massive house in um, Switzerland, where um, Seth Blatter, where Tim Ross, they're going. I'm applying. I'm applying for a job. <laughs> That's probably the best accent best I'll ever do. Yeah, the best way to put it. Trust me, I, t- I think Tim Ross took me as inspiration in how to do an accent for this film. <laughs> that that's that's how much he's cons- he's consistent. I think the, the whole thing with this about how people are just being introduced randomly just gets to the core of why this is such a travesty. Is that because it's, it is nothing short of propaganda? The whole thing is FIFA propaganda. It's it's the whole thing of it's expecting you to already know the story. See, I, I disagree. I don't think it is FIFA propaganda. It's absolutely no, no, propaganda. No, 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 it's no, no, made no, no. by people. It's propaganda, are... but it's set blatter propaganda. It's not FIFA propaganda. It's the same thing. No, no, it's not because right because the film makes out um, that Jules Remy is brilliant and he's uh, the reason he's doing it because he loves football <coughs> um, and that's where it's all about. And then they bring in uh, have a lunch, have, 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 have a sandwich, have a sandwich, ham sandwich. And they, 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 they mind if I do. They, Joe Ham Sandwich. They bring him in, and they, <laughs> and they kind of show him as that he's the one who fucks everything up. He starts off; he's got these morals. He wants to, do, you know, making like, you know, uh, links with the African nations, and uh, and how he wants to do this, and you know, um, and behind the British, he's the the second worst villain in this film. <laughs> we'll get to that and, in a minute. Then, <laughs> we'll know, get to that in a minute. Then, so racist. And then, uh, and then, what happens? Okay, so FIFA's now corrupt, but. You don't have to worry because Seth Blatter's arrived and he's going to solve it all and it's going to be fine now. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's painted as the hero. Yeah. It's amazing. That's it's, what I'm saying. anti-corruption crusade. So, that, so it's almost like this film was made because they kind of knew that the scandal was about to kind of break. And they went, right, we need to kind of, we need to sort this out. So what we're going to do is we're going to make this film and we're going to go, do you know what, FIFA, it was corrupt, we know it was corrupt, but it's okay because Seth's in charge, so we're fine. You know, it's okay, we've got the new Jesus on our side. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can remember, I, I, did, I did chase up... Um, File critics to find out who said this, but I think on, in a review that they did um, on the podcast, um, someone who I really wish I could remember who it was referred to it as the Mr. Burns movie from an episode of The Simpsons, where <laughs> Mr. Burns makes his own film, where he's like the prior of everything good, <laughs> and it's the most perfect example of how to describe this film. And can we can we move on to the uh, can we move on to the nationality depictions yet? The, 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 the depiction of the uh, English uh, about how how the English are actually worse than the Nazis. In <laughs> yeah. This film. No, yeah. Well, he, the, it does paint the English. Yeah, we did their top hats and their monocles. Yeah, and their scoffing. And then you've well, it's it's from that. It's from oh yes, we invented football. We know better than you foreigners. And then it goes up to the sixties when you've got Stanley Rouse, who was the FIFA president from from like sixty one to seventy four, I think it is. And he's an old colonial old fart who's basically going, oh yes, you know, we are we are you foreigners don't understand. So even in that sixty year jump. And then we're not even really in the last bit. Well, well you actually you actually miss the the bit in the middle of that, which is probably like the oh bit god, the man the man who's like the, 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 the talking really racist, yeah, racist yeah, who guy. basically says, and it's a direct quote. I apologise, listeners. Uh, Negro and women kicking a football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How absurd! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They want the vote next. That's him. That, 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 right, it, right. No, and it, it is exactly like that. Goes, oh, they want the vote next. Yeah. I I know now what it feels like for a Russian to watch an eighties action film. <laughs> but the thing is, even at the very beginning, when the the English are first introduced, it's something like these strangers just walk up to the watch a football match and go, "Hey, listen, we know you invented football, but we're taking it over. And if you don't like yeah. it, then we're gonna we, we're tough gonna shit. T- tough shit." 
right? And, and apparently, that makes them the heroes because they're kind of stealing something someone else done. Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't like how you've done it, so we're going to do it ourselves. It's what it, it was, it's, and it just kind of like it went. Okay, so you're supposed to be the heroes of this film, but you're coming across as like a bunch of dicks. I know it's changed. It, um, the one guy, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what his name is. I couldn't remember. I tried to research it. He's played by Fisher Stevens, and I like Fisher Stevens. Carl Hirschman, I think it was. Yeah. Cornelius August Wilhelm Hirschman was a Dutch banker and the second general secretary of FIFA, serving from 1906 to But Yeah, Fisher Stevens. The film, though, was... If you're wondering about where did well, because it still made 100,000. The highest revenue came from Russia and the Commonwealth of Independent States, which is the former Soviet Republic country. 144,000 pounds that made in Russia so the Russians enjoyed it they enjoyed a film about corruption allegedly allegedly Portugal 4,000 and Serbia 2,000 while the profits from Hungary Hung- Hungary Hungary Slovenia Hungary. Hungary. <laughs> 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 welcome to the very very real not made up place Hungary. Matt Latham does geography <laughs> Why, hang on hang on hang on no that wasn't me what <laughs> while the profits from Hungary Slovenia Switzerland and Ukraine were minimal Obertan, in his first interview since the film's disastrous US opening in June 2020... Oh, can I just say, I know what's coming next, and I, I genuinely love this quote. <laughs> ...told The Hollywood Reporter that he tried to strike a balance between a Disney propaganda film and a Costa Gavras Michael Moore movie, but the project ultimately tipped in FIFA's favour. Now I'm seen as the as bad as the guy who brought AIDS to Africa. Brilliant. Or the guy who caused <laughs> the financial crisis. Yeah, because it all happened with one guy. I, I love the fact that he thinks making a bad movie is the same as causing the death of millions of people. <laughs> You can tell he worked for FIFA. My name is all over this mess, and apparently I'm a propaganda guy making films for corrupt people. Roth, who hasn't seen the film and declined repeated requests to speak about the film, confessed in May 2015, before the scandal broke, to German newspaper Die Welt. Yeah, I apologise, I didn't question the director, I didn't question the script. He said, this is a role that will have my father turning in his grave. He said he took the job out of money, saying it helped him out of a financial hole, but adding, but you know what? The whole FIFA has dug for itself is so deep, they'll never get out of it which is uh, possibly the underlying factor with this because it's such a, a whitewash of a film that eventually, like you said, Dawson, the real film about FIFA will come out. I imagine by somebody like Paul Greengrass, who made like the Bourne films, mm-hmm. somebody like that would, would probably make a FIFA corruption movie which will be really tell probably the, the, the true story that this film doesn't tell. Uh, there was one very strange bit in this film, which was the, the uh, it kept cutting back to the, uh, the children playing football. Yeah, that was odd. I thought that was weird. I think it's them sort of saying, this is the future. But it was like... It, That's the impression I It was like, oh, look at the world. They put the girl in the goal. They put the girl in goal. Oh, because she's rubbish at football. Yeah. And they keep showing you these scenes of this girl kind of... Like, people are scoring goals past her. Oh, she can't play. She's a girl. She goes, oh, hang on a minute. Sepp's now in charge. Look, she's got the ball and she's scored a goal. <laughs> Thank you, Sepp. Thank you so much. Now girls can kick balls. Yes. <laughs> if anyone listening can please explain to me why... Uruguay beating Brazil was seen as a bad thing because that whole scene with like um, Dipadir walking up when it was like one one no and like hearing cheering he goes oh, Brazil have won and then Uruguay are like cheering and he's like oh those dirty dirty Uruguayans have who knows what FIFA and those those people think it's it's a mystery send your answers to but you know what it's still better than the room it's not it's it not Paul Field, who nominated the film, thanks Paul for nominating, does agree. He yeah, said, cheers, Paul. He said, <laughs> he said in, a, uh, in a quote when I asked him, it's some of the most shameless propaganda ever committed to film. This deserves to be seen by those who are ready to rip it to shreds. There's no amount of ridicule too much. 
I wish you luck with this one. Thanks, yeah. Paul. Cheers, Paul, for nominating. And obviously the FIFA corruption case will rumble on. And, uh, you know, maybe one day we'll get the truth. Next up, then, is our final part of Pick a Flick, which is our question time. So what have you called it? Is it Are You Reeled In? Or? I haven't given it a fancy name like you. No. I'm just calling it question time. I know, it, sounds like a it sounds like a fantastic feature. I mean, it it's like one of the best features ever. I mean, how, where did you come up with this stuff? How did I get this idea? Latham is very subtly... <laughs> Hinting at the fact that um, his podcast, The Bottle Episode, which you can talk more about in a minute when we wrap up, um, he does this idea. I have stolen this idea from him, which is to quiz uh, one of the people on the podcast about their favourite film. And there are eight questions, and you will go then on the leaderboard, uh, which currently is held only by um, Louise MacArthur Clare, who's not difficult to beat if you listen to episode two. Um, sorry, Lou, but yeah. Shut uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, good luck. You are not on the clock, however. Okay. You have as much time as you want to answer. Okay. This, Okay, so, are you ready for ten questions on your favourite film, which is... Demolition Man. Question one. Now, can I just point out, Dawson, <laughs> if you do know any of these answers, you feel free to jump in. <laughs> and point. I, I can promise you, I, I, I think I saw this film once back in the 90s. <laughs> Question one. Which dystopian novel do certain Brave aspects New World. of the film... Brave New World. In? Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Well done. Point to you. Which actress was originally set to play the role of Lenina Huxley but pulled out days before filming? It's Laurie Petty. It is Laurie Petty. Well done. I suspect he's going to do quite well here. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried. Yeah. Which restaurant replaced Taco Bell as a major plot point in European releases? Pizza Hut. Well done. Which actor had a cameo as one of the Wasteland scraps? Jack Black. Jack Black. What was the name of the Hungarian writer of Holtak Harta, Flight of the Dead, published in 1986, who accused the production of plagiarism? Urshin something. Oh no. Harvin something. It's called like something like Plane of the Dead or something. The the name of the book. But I can't remember Flight the of the Dead. Yeah. Flight of the Dead. No, I can't remember it. Okay. Istvan Nimir. Ha, so yeah. close enough. That was um, easy. Come on. <laughs> Who recorded the original song Demolition Man that Sting remixed for the film? Grace Jones. Well done, Grace Jones. What was the Arabic title of the film when released in Kuwait? It's not what you think either. I don't know. The three little pigs in human form. The three little pigs. <laughs> no, it was. That's correct. It was the man who <laughs> did, the man that demolishes stuff. It was Rambo the Destroyer. Because oh, yes. they thought that it would yes. play better because they all know who Rambo is in Kuwait. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, I remember <laughs> so that. Yeah. To call it that. Okay, you, I dare say you'll get this. Who was originally supposed to play Simon Phoenix? Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. Or. Jean-Claude Van Damme was asked as well. But you're not getting an extra point for that. Okay, after question time, Latham scores six out of eight, which isn't bad. So you get number six, you get number one on the leaderboard right now. So well Mm -hmm. done. Thank Um, you. That's that's a good good innings. I'm impressed. So, well done. Latham is on the leaderboard, which will go on the blog soon. And that's about it from us today. Shall we talk about where... We can find you both. Dawson, where can we find you on the internet? Pornhub uh, <laughs> is not the answer. Well, I don't I don't have podcasts or anything, so I don't really have like an internet thing people go. I, um, I have a Twitter. Uh, if people would like to uh, follow me on Twitter, my Twitter is at Mr. Dawson. Uh, I occasionally, I, I very rarely put anything on it, to be honest. Um, I occasionally update with my uh, adventures of a supply teacher. There you go. <laughs> okay, cool. Do follow Dawson. Uh, I don't know why, because he hasn't sold himself well. But, but not anyway. down the street. Not down the street. <laughs> he will sue. Matt Latham, how about you? You can find me online through my website, which is 
the the bottle episode www.bottleepisode.co.uk I'm on Twitter under the bottle ep or X and Matt if if I allow you to follow me of course. Aren't so, we, aren't we privileged? It's a, yeah, it's a private account. Yeah, so you can follow me on that. Mainly the bottle episode. I talk about T V a lot on there. So uh, you can follow me on my horticultural site, um uh, where I talk about how you uh, you you uh, can make your uh, outside gardens look very pretty. Um but it is a private account. It's a private account. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're on Twitter at Pick a Flick Pod, and uh, you can um, contact us there or on Facebook at Just Pick a Flick. And also, um, you can drop us a, an email if you want to talk, give us some feedback at uh, Pick a Flick Pod at gmail.com. So, yeah, you can do drop us do drop some feedback. Let us know what you think. If you have any films you want to nominate, they can go on the list in future. We've got enough to last us for a long time. Well, can you try and choose good ones so we don't have to watch any more shit? Please. We're, we're, look, we're at the mercy of what the people want. Okay, that's the whole point of this podcast. Don't be mean, my friends. Please, if you're out there, don't be mean. Please be mean to Dawson. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. If you send the bad ones in, I'll make sure he's on them. So yeah, that's it from Pick a Flick. Thank you, Matt. Which, which one? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Matt. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you next time. Remember, you pick them, we watch them. Simple. You pick them, we flick them. Bye. <laughs>Deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.